Let me say tonight that I don't have a theological message because before I met Jesus, I was a sinner and I didn't know anything. And all I know now is his word. And that's what I preach and that's what I teach. That's all I, that's all I know. I don't have any initials beside of my name. I do have one in front of it, Mrs. But outside of that, that's it. And I've taken my message from Acts 27, verses uh, 23, 25, and I'm taking this from the New Living Translation. Most of us are familiar with the storm that Paul got called in when he was being taken to stand trial before Caesar. It says that the storm had raged for many days and that no one had eaten for several days. Some people said it was for 14 days that these people had not eaten. So finally, Paul called the crew to gather and he said, men, he said, you should have listened to me in the first place. How many times have you heard that phrase? You should have listened to me in the first place. If you had listened to me, I can't tell you how many times I've told my children that. If you had listened to me in the first place, you would not be going through this. But you know, we all hard-headed. And apparently these men were hard-headed. And Paul said, if you had listened to me in the first place and not left Cray, but take courage, he said, but take courage, he said, because none of you will lose your lives tonight, even though the ship will be gone. He said in verse 23, he said, for last night, he said, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, and, and he said, the angel said, don't be afraid, Paul. He said, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. How many of you in, in here have had prophecies spoken over you? Come on now. I, for one, have several prophecies that's been spoken over me. And I can remember when my husband was going through uh, some things a few months ago that we had to bring back some of those prophecies to memory, to our recollection, because those prophecies had not been fulfilled. And those prophecies will be fulfilled. So those that have received prophecies over you, there are some people that prophesy over you, you just want to put them on the shelf and just forget about them. But then there are some true prophets. That's right. And when they prophesied over you, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Hallelujah. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you surely will stand trial before Caesar. He said, and what's more, he said, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Praise God. And my favorite verse, verse 25, it says, so take courage. He said, for I believe God that it will be just as he has said. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, I want you to stop listening to the devil. He, he, he is a known liar and a deceiver, and the truth is not in him. According to John 40, 8, 44, he is the father of all lies. He is the one who accuses you before your father every day and every night, night and day, according to Revelations 12, 10. The devil would take scriptures out of content in his efforts to deceive us concerning God's truths. He twists God's words all the time. As a matter of fact, a good example of this is, and you'll find it in Matthew uh, 4, uh, verses 1 through 11. And this is when Satan was misquoting the word back to Jesus himself when Jesus was being tempted. So if Satan is misquoting the word back to Jesus Christ himself, you know he must be misquoting it back to you. Do you believe that? You know, I pray this evening that God will give me the utterance to speak his word as the oracles of God. 
That's my prayer. And that I also pray that he will quicken your spiritual ears to hear and receive what he has placed in my spirit to minister to you. As I said, I consider it an honor to be a mouthpiece for God, an ambassador for Christ. And we're all ambassadors. I'd like to begin tonight by asking you some questions. I would like to ask you if you believe that God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Do you believe that he changes not? You know, in Malachi 3, 5 says he changes not. As a matter of fact, Pastor Larry spoke on that last night. Do you believe that he changes not? Amen. Okay. And Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So saints, let me ask you this. If you agree that this is true, let me ask you one more question. Why aren't we experiencing the power of God in our lives? If you believe that God changes not, if you believe that God shows no favoritism, God has no favorites, God never changes, which means his word never changes, his promises never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if we agree with that. Why aren't we experiencing the power of God in our lives? We need to be experiencing more power in our lives. We have agreed that God hasn't changed. And if that's true, and it is, then we need to be operating in His power. Do you agree with that? Yes. I, want to, I want to be operating more in His power. In 2 second, in second Timothy 3, verse 5 in the Berean Bible says, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Saints, I don't know about you, but I want to experience the real thing. Amen. Not just a form of it, but I want to experience the real thing. Do you agree with me? Yes. And I believe all of you do too. Yes. Breakthroughs, healings, and miracles only come from the real thing. They don't come from having a form of power, you know, and they don't come. Let me tell you this. You may not know this, but I hope, you know, I don't know. I think we're on streaming, but somewhere or another, my messages go around the world. God has blessed us with 230 radio stations plus YouTube and everything else. And this word is going to go around. But I want to inform them that God don't need lights running down the altar and God don't need no smoke seams. He don't need no smoke machines. Brothers and sisters, if God wants smoke, he'll create it. And if he wants light, he'll create that too. Are you hearing me? Remember, he created this whole world, this whole universe with his word, and he wouldn't have any problem creating some smoke. If he wants it to rain, it'll rain. If he wants some smoke or some lights running up and down the screen. That's why we're not experiencing the power of God is because we're trying to make it happen. We cannot make God. We cannot force God to do anything. It has to be done with the whole heart. It has to be done from here. Are you hearing me? You can't force it. You can't make believe. You know, you just can't do it. It, doesn't, it does not work that way. Praise God. We have the real thing. 
living on the inside of us. And we have been given the real power. We have the real thing. Thank you, Jesus. In Luke 9, 1 through 2 in New King James, it says, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power over all demons and to cure diseases. And he also backs this up again in Matthew 10, 1 and 10, 8. If you're taking notes, he tells us the very same thing in all these scriptures. In other words, he's saying that we have authority over all the demons. How many demons? All the demons and over all sickness, according to Luke 10, 19. In verse 2, he said he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Praise God. In Acts 10, 38 in NIV, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. How, why did it? Because God was with him and God is with you and God is with me. As you're going to find out as we go further on, God is still with us today and he is waiting for us to act on his word. He's waiting. A lot of people is waiting on God. God waiting on us. He's with us today. He's in us and he's for us. As the preacher was just saying, if he be for us, who can be against us? Just think about that. We need to think more about what God's word is saying. And we need to take it serious. You know, we'll believe most anything anybody says on Facebook. We'll believe almost anything somebody tells you on television, on radio. But when God tells you the facts of life and the truth, no, we don't. And you can't say that everybody does because if you did, they'd be evidence. They'd be more evidence. There are some evidence, but they'd be more evidence. I, I'm, I'm talking for myself. I need to do the same thing. I preach to myself just as well as I do anybody else. And I try not to step on any toes, but if I do, just say, ouch. So I needed that, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> I tell you, I've had my toes stepped on so much it ain't even funny. But you know, that's okay because if I wasn't getting my toes stepped on, I wouldn't know anything. Saints, let me ask you a question. What does it mean in the name of Jesus? In other words, when you pray in the name of Jesus, what does that mean? Think about that. Just take a second and think about that. What does it mean in the name of Jesus? I know that I'm not a king. I know I'm not the king of kings or the Lord of lords. But you and I have been authorized and empowered and sent, according to Luke 9, 1 through 10, it says, and gave them power over all demons and to cure diseases. I do not have the ability, and I want you to hear this, you don't have the ability either. I do not have the ability to heal anyone, brothers and sisters. But I have been given the authority. I've been given the authority to lay hands on the sick. I have the authority and Jesus has the ability. Praise God. We work together according to his word. He says in Mark 16, 20, and this follows right after Mark 16, 17, where he says that he has given you the power, you know, where he says that you can go and lay hands on the sick and cast out demons, cast out this, drink poison. It won't hurt you, all that. And 1620 says, and disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them. You do not do it on your own. When you release your authority that you have been given 
then Jesus will release his ability. And your authority, he's given you the authority. He has the ability. And he will work through you. Are you hearing me? That's news to some of you. You don't have the ability to heal anybody. I can't heal a gnat. (laughs) But I have the authority. Hallelujah. And he has anointed my hands, these hands, and called me to minister to the sick. He's anointed me, anointed these hands, and called me to minister to the sick. And if I exercise that authority, then God will, he will come in with his ability. And when he steps in his ability, that's when the person gets out of the wheelchair. That's when that person throws those crutches aside. That's when that cancer falls off and that tumor falls off. When you mix your authority that's been given to you with his ability. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Keep that in mind. You mix your authority with his ability. It says right here, Lord worked through them. The disciples went everywhere pre- and preached and the Lord worked through them. And he has anointed, like I said, my hands, these hands. So when you say, in the name of Jesus, you are saying, I am speaking on his behalf. Amen. When you say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get out of there, you foul spirit. And when that's exercising my authority, and when I do that, Jesus brings in his ability. And when he does whatever it is I'm speaking to, better get out of my way. Are you hearing me? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You, you and I are doing what he wants done. When you are exercising your authority, you are doing what he wants done in that particular situation in that, by the authority of his name, whether it's laying on of hands or the casting out of evil spirits. I've cast out of not only but a couple of evil spirits. Thank God I haven't been around too many. But there are some I think needed to be cast out. But I wasn't in a position to do so. Not because of the authority, but because of the situation. Because the authority always is with you. Be quiet. You know why? Because he he lives in you. Wherever you go, the authority, the ability ability goes. And he's given you the authority. So you're going hand in hand. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Whether it's laying on the hands or casting out evil spirits, it's, it's why when evil spirits hear this and you're really doing it in faith, the evil spirits will run in terror. When they hear you, when you resist in Jesus' name, I want you to hear this. When you are resisting something in the name of Jesus, they don't see you. The demons, they don't see you. They don't hear you because they know who sent you. Are you hearing me? In Zephaniah 3.17, it says, The Lord your God is with you the mighty warrior who saves. He says he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Saints, because of everything that is going on in the world today, Many of you fearful are fearful, but God tells us in Psalms 46, 1 through 3, 
He says that he is our refuge and he is our strength. He says he is an ever-present help in trouble. Hallelujah. He says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give, gives way and the mountains fall into the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Saints, I could go on and on about how God is always with us and how he'll never leave us, which he says in Hebrews 13, 5. And he also tells us again in Deuteronomy 31, 6, where he says, be strong and be courageous and do not fear or be in dread of them. We don't need to be fearful of them for it is the Lord your God that goes with you and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So there's nothing to be afraid of. Yes, things do change. And people change, but God never changes. Amen. Bless his holy name. And one of the things that never changes is the word of God and the truth of God and the promises of God. Hallelujah. He tells us in Matthew 24, 35, he says that the sky and the earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Everything on this earth will pass away. Yeah. All those things that you've accumulated, all those things that you have worked your butts off for, yeah. all those things that you maybe didn't even get the way you should have gotten them. But everything is going to pass away except for the Word of God. Amen. Because He is His Word. Amen. He is His Word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. I remind you again that he says he is the Lord and he changes not. Praise God. So his word never changes because like I said, according to Gospel John 1, 1, he is his word. His word is always powerful and it never loses his power because he is the same God today, yesterday, and he will be the same God tomorrow and forevermore. He is the God in the valley and he is the God in the mountain, on the mountain. Hallelujah. He's the God when you're on top of the world and you think everything is coming, going, um, is roses coming up, roses. And he's also with you when you're down in the valley. When you think you can't take another breath, that you need some help. He's down there with you in the valley. As a matter of fact, it's not such a bad place to be in the valley because it's in the valley that we grow. We don't ever do any growing on top of the mountain. We do all of our growing down here. We don't want to be down here. But if we don't ever get down there, we'll never do any growing. You don't, you just, you do your growing when you're going through your trials. That's where you're, that's where you're getting some revelation. He, he allows certain things for your own benefit. Okay. He doesn't call harm to come to you, but he allows certain things to help you, to help you get a better revelation and also to protect you in the future. What, what, what you might think is a big thing today is a, in the future is going to be a big thing. So he wants to help you today so it doesn't become a mountain. He wants to help you while it's still a little healed. Do you hear me? His word is just as powerful today, saints, as it was today that Paul and the other apostles were inspired by the Holy, by the Holy Spirit to write it. I want you to know that the Bible has many writers but it only has one author. One author. And that's the Holy Spirit. The only one. All these other people, they were writing that, writing this Bible under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So that means we only have one author. Many writers, but one author. 
Praise God. As God has stated in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, he says, there is nothing new under the sun. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. Ecclesiastes first 1, uh, chapter 9 says, the thing that has been, it is what will be again. And that which has been done is that which will be done again. And there is nothing new under the sun. Hallelujah. Saints, what is the Lord telling us? He is saying that people have always gone through trials and kingdom children have always suffered violence. And this is nothing new. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, according to Matthew eleven twelve, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully, and I, and I, I emphasize forcefully, I capitalize forcefully, advancing and violent people are attacking it, and they are still attacking things of the kingdom today. That's right. They'll never stop. They'll never stop. And they're still attacking, like I said. And the way we handle these trials is the same way that God's children have always handled trials, and that is with the Word of God. Hallelujah. I should have brought my sword tonight. <laughs> I do have a sword. But did you know, that is your sword. Come on, come on. And did you know that out of all your muscles, that your tongue is the strongest muscle in your body? Yes. I wonder why. <laughs> some people have sharper tongues than others. And some of us have been at the blunt end of some of them swords. <laughs> I haven't heard any ouches yet, so I guess I haven't stepped on any toes, and we'll keep on going. <laughs> the God created these lips and this tongue to praise Him, yes. to glorify His name. Not, not to say things. He, he, he gave you this mouth to edify. Yeah, the Bible tells us, I think it's in Ephesians 3. I think it's in Ephesians 3. But anyway, he says that, he, that you should be edified, you know, that you should uh, use your words to edify, to lift up, and not to discourage anyone, but to edify. And I know the whole scripture, but uh, all of a sudden it's gone, but I'm going to move right along. As a matter of fact, I used to quote that scripture a lot. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we do that by putting on the whole armor of God and by wielding the sword of the Spirit. But in order to be successful and resist the devil effectively, you have to be armed with the Word of God. In other words, you have to meditate on His Word. Meditate. The Bible says meditate day and night. And also then hide it in your heart, according to Psalms 119, verse 11 through 16. And let me ask you this. How do you meditate? I want you to think about that because you say, Pastor Joe, I don't understand that. The Bible says I need to meditate on the word day and night. How can I meditate day and night? Well, you meditate by what you mutter. You meditate by what you speak out loud. And you meditate on what you imagine or ponder on. Are you hearing me? Yes. Brothers and sisters, your imagination, and Pastor spoke a little bit of this on last night, your imagination is a part of the pondering. Your imagination plays an awful big part in that meditating and in that pondering. So when you know the word and you hide that word in your heart, only then will you be able to withstand all of Satan's assaults, withstand all of his fiery darts. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Knowing what God's word says about you and your situation is the key. It's the key to your victories. It is the key to you living 
the life that Jesus died to give you. Again, let me repeat. God said there is nothing new under the sun and that you have been given choices. You may not recognize this, but we've all been given choices. In Ecclesiastes 1, verses 10 through 11, New Living Translation, it says that sometimes people will say, here is something new, but actually it's old, for nothing's ever truly new. Amen. Have you ever noticed in styles, especially women, probably notice this more men, but have you ever noticed that the style cheap, they go out and come in, go out and come in? Yeah. Except I don't ever recall the holy jeans. <laughs> I, I told David, I said, you know, there's something wrong with my wardrobe. I said, I think I'm missing it. I said, I'm going to get me a personal shopper and I'm going to go shopping. And I'm going to get me the right wardrobe. You know, I, I, I can't get my head wrapped around somebody preaching prosperity in a pair of holy jeans. <laughs> there are some things that my brain just don't click on. So I don't own any holy jeans. I had my share of those when I was growing up on a farm in North Carolina. But my mother put patches on them. And I have seen some holy jeans lately that there wasn't much material hanging on. You know, there were so many holes in those jeans that I don't even know where the waist was. But a style, I guess. Well, let's hope that one don't come back. You know. <laughs> There were some other things that I told David I needed to check on, you know, if I wanted to get noticed. <laughs> and like I said, before Jesus came into my life, I was a sinner, didn't know nothing, don't know much more now. <laughs> you know, the very first Bible verse I ever learned, and the one I knew when I accepted Jesus, was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. That was a promise that he gave me that day. Joe, you'll have everlasting life. Yeah. And every one of you out there have probably done a lot of things that you're glad you don't belong to you anymore. Amen. There's so many things out there that you did in your past before you knew Jesus that the enemy sometimes tries to bring up to you and try to still make you feel guilty about it and want you to beat up on yourself about. But you know, when he does that to me and he'll remind me maybe when I was in Las Vegas or somewhere, maybe somewhere else in Nevada or wherever, I mean in Los Angeles or wherever I was, I was a girl everywhere. But now I'm still a girl everywhere after God's own heart. Amen. I'm a God girl after God's own heart. So the devil has nothing on me. Jesus said he has nothing in me. And Satan has nothing in you and he has nothing in me either. So when he starts accusing me, I just don't, I just ignore him. And I just open up my mouth and I say, Father, I thank you that that person don't live anymore. I just remind the devil that she, she's dead. She died that day in Hampton when I accepted Jesus. She died. I'm a walking dead girl. And, and she doesn't live anymore. And the person that did those things, she's dead. 
And I said, now I'm now a new creature in Christ Jesus. All those old things have passed away. All the scotch and the whatever, you know, has passed away. And all things have become new. I'm now a child of the living God. And so are you, a child of the living God. Doesn't make any difference. It says here, David said, This is my comfort and consolation in my afflictions, that your word has revived me and given me life. Are you hearing what David is saying here, saints? He is saying that when his enemies come up against him, when he's going through rough patches in his life, when he's going through tests and trials, as we all do, we all do, that he remembers what God's word said about that particular thing or about that situation, and he confesses the word over it. He speaks it. Saints, you may not realize it, but you do have a choice. You do not have to take the junk that the devil throws your way. You do not have to let the devil eat your lunch and pop the bag. Are you hearing me? So many of you have let the devil just lay over and play dead and let the devil eat your lunch and just pop that bag. I used to do that in school because I used to have to carry them mayonnaise sandwiches to school. And I was jealous of my cousin because she always got peanut butter and crackers. <laughs> you know, by the time lunchtime come around, that mayonnaise had done, it wasn't even mayonnaise, it was salad dressing. <laughs> to this day, I don't like salad dressing. But <laughs> some things you just don't want no more of. Because by the time lunchtime come around, that stuff had changed colors. It was... <laughs> It was green about the color of this. You know. But if you wanted to eat, you got to eat it. If you're hungry, you're going to, you know, my mama said, if you get hungry enough, you'll eat it. And, you know, <laughs> you know, and my mother was always right. Always right. <clears throat> and dear woman of God, went home to be with the Lord, but prayed for me and prayed me into the kingdom before she left. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are the one with the authority here, not Satan. You don't have to lie down and play. You don't have to lie down every time he says, boo. Uh -huh. And you sure don't have to roll over and play dead either. Come on. Hallelujah. Yes. You can exercise your God-given authority anytime, any, in any place. As I said before in Matthew 10, 1, Jesus gave us power and authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure all kinds of disease and all kinds of weakness and infirmities. That's what most sicknesses are. Most sicknesses are spirits and addictions. And you've been given the power and authority to cast them out. You have the authority and Jesus has the ability yes. working through you. We just discussed that in Luke 16, 20. You look it up for yourself if you don't believe me. And it's not only for pastors and deacons and elders to cast him out according to God's word in Mark 16, 17. But it says any believer That's right. That's right. can lay hands on the sick and cast out demons. How many believers do we have in here tonight? I see we got a lot of believers in here tonight. Well, as of that's all that's all is qualified, you know, as a believer in Mark 16, 17 in the easy read Bible, it says the people who believe will be able to do these things as proof. They will use my name to force demons out of people. They will speak in language that they never learned. 
And if they pick up snakes or drink any poison, they will not be hurt. I don't recommend you go do that. <laughs> but if you're in a, in a situation like Paul was, God will take care of you. That's what he's saying. Amen. There are some ministries, some churches that practice that, but that's not what God meant. He said, and sometimes you get in the circumstance, you might be a missionary overseas someplace and you might have to drink some unclean water. But you have to trust that you can drink it and God's going to protect you. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about your faith. It's not, uh, you don't get your faith by holding up a snake. That's just plumb stupidity. But he says, they will lay hands on the sick people and they will get well. Get well, praise God. It says, after Jesus said these things to his followers, he was called, he was carried up to heaven. There Jesus sat at the right hand of God. And verse 20 says, the followers went everywhere in the world telling people the good news and the Lord helped them. And the Lord helped them. By giving them power to do miracles, the Lord proved that their messages were true. Hallelujah. How many in here tonight is... As a believer, how many are followers of Jesus? If you are a believer, and if you're a follower of Jesus, then this word applies to you. Believing what God's word says is your key to walking in divine health and to being prosperous in all your ways. Jesus goes even further by telling us that he has given us a key to the kingdom. And when I read this passage in Matthew 16, 19, I was totally overwhelmed with what God, what the Lord is saying. It is because it's so powerful, brothers and sisters. He says in Matthew 16, 19, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth, he says, will be permitted in heaven. Forbid means to refuse to allow something. So whatever you, whatever you refuse to allow here to happen to you on this earth, refuse someone or something entry to a place of error. That's what forbid means. Permit means to give authorization or consent to. Right. So when you forbid something here on this earth, then Jesus will forbid it up here. So and when you permit something here on this earth, then Jesus will permit it up there. That's what he's saying. Also, I want you to think about what the Lord is saying here. And I'll tell you this. What he, I'll tell you what he's not saying. He is not saying what he forbids or permits, is he? No. He's not saying that at all. He is saying whatever you forbid or permit, that's what you're going to have. He is saying that you have been given choices and he is saying that it's up to you that you've been given the formula, you've been given the prescription. The subscript, uh, pres- scripture. <laughs> you can choose to be healthy and you can choose to be strong. It's up to you. You can choose to fight the good fight of faith. As a matter of fact, I love this translation of 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse 12. And the easy read, it says, we have to fight to keep our faith. Yay. Try as hard as you can to win that fight. Take hold of eternal life. It is the life you were chosen to have when you confessed your faith in Jesus. That wonderful truth that you spoke so openly, that I spoke so openly over in Hampton and that so many people heard. Do, he says, do what you were commanded to do without fault or blame until the time when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Saints, you need to know that if there were not any hindrances to your faith, there wouldn't be a fight. 
Think about that. If there were no hindrances to your faith, there would be no fight. For instance, most believers today, I want you to think about this because I know it's true. For instance, most believers today, when it comes to fighting for natural things, you will fight it tooth and nail. You will give it everything you got. For example, if someone comes and tries to break into your house and try to take your material stuff, that stuff that you worked your butt off to get, you're going to put up the biggest fight in your life, wouldn't you? But when it comes to spiritual things, the things that God has promised you in his word, most of you just roll over and play dead. Hallelujah. You just let the devil take anything he wants. He takes your health, takes your family, takes your children, takes your job, takes your ministry. I, I, I said the other day, I focus on the family had a thing. It was a few years ago, so it may have changed. But I think it was saying that all the ministers that's called in and, and within, I think it's like within five years, 80% of them drop out. Yeah. Because it's, it's, you know, it's, they don't understand that it's a fight. That's right. That's it. And you've got to walk it, walk it in faith. And you are going to have some trials. You are going to have some complications. If you're not having any trials and complications, that means you and the devil are running the same way. That's it, man. That's good. So you, you just don't want to be, you know, you, you want to have a few trials and tribulations. Because right. otherwise you say, well, maybe me and the devil are running the same road. You know, so you don't want that. Hallelujah. I know that it takes a little time seems to build the word into your spirit. It takes time to get your answered prayers, but you need to know if God's word says something, it belongs to you. If he says it belongs to you, then it belongs to you. It's just that simple. As my title says, I believe God. Yes. Do you believe him? Yes. I do. Yes. Then you need to put up a fight. Yes. If you believe what God's word says, then you need to put up a fight by standing your ground on God's word. Fighting the good fight of faith is speaking God's word out of your mouth. Hallelujah. That you believe in your heart and your spirit. You believe it, you speak it, and you act on it. Faith without action is dead. Yep. Everything I'm doing today, the Lord placed in my spirit in 2004 and 5, and I wrote it down. I got books with dates, everything he gave me, telling me things. That seemed mm, so impossible, impossible, especially on the radio. Because he started putting it in my spirit about being on the radio. I said, Lord, I don't have no money. I was a widow living on a fixed income. I, I, I said, I don't even own a cassette player. You know, I mean, you know, I, I mean, a, a reset recorder. I don't know how to record. And you're talking to me about being on the radio. But, you know, I believe God. I believed him so much that I wrote it down and I kept confessing the word. I kept, I kept speaking the word and speaking the word and saying, and I wrote it down in my little book that I didn't bring. Lord, I thank you for this. And I thank you for the CDs. I think I did. It wasn't CDs and it was cassettes, but it, so I put tapes, but then it was cassettes. And I might want to go any further back than that because I give my age away. <laughs> But I, I wrote all this down, and he started speaking to me about things, and I wrote it down, and, and some people have heard this before, so I'm not going to go into the whole story. But today, like I said, for somebody that didn't have any money, 
no education in that area, or not many areas, because like I said, what I do is only comes from the Holy Spirit because if it wasn't for Him, I wouldn't even be here tonight. But I believe God. When He speaks to me and tells me something, I believe Him. I believed Him enough that I acted on His Word. And I wrote it down and I acted on it. And I just kept, at that time, I was working as a volunteer chaplain at the state prison in North Carolina and at the jail for 11 years, you know, ministering to them and counseling them and the staff but sitting on that couch every day, practicing the Word, speaking the Word, hearing the Word, reading the Word. Here I am today. Ten years, and the Lord has blessed us with 230 radio stations worldwide. For a girl that don't even have a tape recorder. You know, you know just because the Lord places something in your spirit to do that you don't feel like that you can do, that you don't have the education to do, you don't have the money to do. Don't, don't, don't think about that. Believe God. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to put something in your spirit that He's not going to bring to pass yeah. if you believe Him. Yeah. Now, you, you don't, you, He won't bring it to pass if you don't believe Him. But write that thing down. Don't take it a chance that you're going to remember it. Write it down. Date it. I write it down. I date it. I study almost every day when I'm taking there. God's speaking to me, and he'll, he'll tell me about something. Says, oh, write that down. And the other day, the Lord gave me a prophecy, a prophecy for something, and I was sitting there, and I had been praying for about a week about it, and I hadn't heard from the Lord. And finally, the night before, my husband David said something. I said, that's it. Got to write that down. And I wrote a whole page. You know, as he was speaking, I'm writing. You know, don't know, just writing. James 4, 2.14, New Living says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? No. So you see, it says in verse 17, Faith by itself isn't enough. Faith by itself isn't enough unless, unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless, the Bible says. Remember, your heart will believe what it hears your mouth say. So if you're speaking negative things always and putting yourself down, that's what you're going to believe. But if you're speaking what God says, even though you don't notice anything happening and changing in your life right away, don't give up hope. Just keep speaking it because God's word will come to pass. You, you put that word out there. You are creating your mouth. You were, your words are creating something every time you speak. You're, you're either creating something negative or you're creating what God said. So it's up to you what crop you want to grow. When my daddy went and planted tobacco, he wanted tobacco. When he planted corn, he wanted corn. He didn't go plant corn and expect to get tomatoes. You know, and you can't do, you can't do the same thing either. Are you hearing me? One thing about it we have to remember that I had down here that... Um, God is not keeping track of your mess-ups. Aren't you glad of that? As I said before, He doesn't see me that way anymore. Praise God. You might, he, you might be keeping track of it. Your friends and your family and neighbors might be keeping track of it. That is, if you haven't moved, but you can do like me, just leave the county, leave the state. <laughs> 
then you got nobody to accuse you unless you invite them for a visit. But, then, <laughs> but anyway, it says here that the devil, as I said before, is the accuser of the brother. In Romans 8, 1, it says, Now therefore there is no condemnation for him that is in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has set you free, and me free, from the law of sin and death. And I think that's some shouting news, praise God. Amen. So I'm going to move right on down. Many believers go around speaking what they feel instead of what the Word says, so most of the time it's negative words. You know, Gideon was a person like this. Most of, how many, you're, most of you are familiar with Gideon, aren't you? Well, Gideon was such a person. He spoke negative things about himself. Gideon spoke what he thought and how he felt, but the Word didn't agree with him. I mean, I, yeah, the Word. When I say the Word, I mean the word, God. What did God say about Gideon? In Judges chapter 6, verse 12, and New Living Bible says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of fearless courage. I'm so thankful that the Lord tells me that sometimes because I did not see myself. I'll have to admit, I did not see myself where God saw me and the way he saw me. I was still seeing myself the way that I had been before God got a hold of me, before I had a bath. I was still seeing myself that way. <clears throat> it was hard for me to believe. I believed God, but I won't say it wasn't hard, but I believed Him enough to write it down and to keep speaking it. And after a while, I began to believe it. After a while, it'll get from here down here That's right. That's right. but you can't give up just keep on keep on keeping on praise the God it says and this is how Gideon saw this is how God saw Gideon but he saw him he saw him God saw him as a man of courage God did not see him as a loser even though Gideon was afraid and hiding in a wine press God saw Gideon as a man of fearless courage and so when the, when the Lord told Gideon he was going to give him his enemies, Gideon still responded negatively and said to the Lord, Oh, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? How can I do this? He said, Behold, my clan is the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Saints, he was still putting himself down. When God was giving me all of those words, and, and, and putting these thoughts into my spirit and, and I was writing them down. I might have been thinking some of those things, but I wasn't going to disagree with the Lord. He didn't see me. He saw me up here preaching. He didn't see me as a woman, you know, a widow living on fixed income, ministering down there. That was the ministry that he gave me and I was faithful with it. I was faithful to go every Sunday and Wednesday into the 40-man cell and all the other cells at the jail and smell the booze and the whatever going on in there and wash me off a place to put my Bible and minister to them and take them, take them pencils and glasses and Bibles, whatever they needed. I even bought clothes for a lot of them because a lot of them would get locked up. Maybe a few weeks later, a month later, it was cold outside and they went in with their shorts. And so I'd go down to Sears and I'd buy them some clothes and put them on my account because I didn't really have the money to pay cash for it. So I put it on my account. Isn't that what Jesus did? 
And just, you know, he just told me that. He that's what he did. When when he came across the man on the road, he he you know everybody else went passing him by, but he picked him up. And he took him to the end, and he said, "Take care of him. If he if if he needs anything else, put it on my account." And so I bought and did a lot of things, Bibles by the cases or whatever I needed. I, I, I got rid of pearls and jewelry and everything to have the money to buy most of them. But you're faithful with a little bit. God will see you through. Just, just do what you got to do. You don't have to do a lot. Just do what you're called to do. You know, he said, he was telling, I think it was all, he said, don't forget your small beginnings. I pray to the good Lord Almighty that I never forget my small beginnings because they were small. But I had a good life because even then as a widow and my husband being dead for seven years, I was a Christian. God had always taken care of me. No matter what I put on my account, no matter what I needed or what somebody needed, he always provided. He always provided. I never, I never went without I was probably the only chap in living on fixed income that was driving a Jaguar. <laughs> and tomorrow I'm going to be driving a Porsche. <laughs> he gave me that one, and he gave me this one. Not one, not one cent. Not one cent comes out of this ministry. Nothing comes out of this ministry. Not even a pack of, a pack of peanuts. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of things we could take out of the ministry that we don't want to... That is for the ministry, but because it's some things that might look suspicious, we don't. We pay for it ourselves. You don't want to ever do anything that will cause anybody to look the other way. Even if it's, even if it's okay. Other people may not look at it the same way. And I wasn't bragging about the other. It's just that the Lord is good to me. He loves me. And he loves you. And like I said, he is not a respecter of a person. He loves you just as much as he loves me. He loves you no less than he loves me. And if you'll be faithful to him, the Bible says that he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. It says that the Lord came back and said to Gideon, Surely I will be with you, and you shall smite the Midianites as one man. Of, of course, we know that Gideon did go on, and with God's help, he won many battles. My point is, can you see how nothing has changed today, saints? The Lord tells us in his word that we are more than conquerors, that we're more than overcomers, according to Romans 8, 37. He has filled us with his Holy Spirit and given us his power and authority, uh, authorized us. He has authorized us to use his name and tells us that we can do all things through him who strengthens us, according to Philippians uh, 4.13. But we say, Lord, I can't do that. I don't have the money for that. I don't have the education for that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, I don't have the education. I didn't have the money for it. I don't have all those initials after my name. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with having the initials after your name. But sometimes you can get so many things after your name that you're depending more on that than you are on God. You think that that education is going to get you there, but it's not. Like I said, I'm not a theologian and had no desire to be a theologian. There's nothing wrong with being a theologian. But you just do what God calls you to do. Amen. 
I don't ever want to get to the point where I cannot depend on him and lean on him and not lean on anything else. I have nothing in this world today that I would not give away tonight or tomorrow if the Lord said so, and I would not miss it. I love the Lord. I appreciate everything that God has given me and blessed me with and my family with, but I would give it every cent, everything away. It's just stuff. And when you die, and when I go, all, all, it, all you're going to do when you're gone is you've accumulated all this stuff. And all you're going to do is, I was talking to a friend, is all you're going to have to do is somebody's going to be sorting through your stuff. And they're going to have to decide who to sell it to, who to give it to, or what to keep. It's stuff. You can't take it with you. You don't ever see, as they say, a hearse going down the street pulling a U-Haul. <laughs> Just going to take it with you, right? Hallelujah. So just God gives you things to enjoy. And it's okay to enjoy things. There's nothing wrong with being prosperous. God made you to be prosperous. He wants you to be prosperous. He didn't make this stuff for the devil's kids. He made it for his children. So don't get jealous of somebody when the Lord blesses you with something. Thank, thank God, you know, and just, and just do what you need to do so he'll bless you the same way. He's not, he's, like I said, he's not a respecter of persons. He says, if you'll be faithful and do this and if you'll do that, then I will take care of you. That's what God said. So all you have to do is just put him first. And then, and when you put him first and you're faithful, then he's going to take care of you. It's as simple as that. I'm not perfect. I don't get it all right. Some days I have bad thoughts. Some days I say things I shouldn't do. But I thank God that I have a loving father that loves me and he will forgive me. And his love for me never changes. He doesn't get angry with me. He said he would never, the Bible says he never get angry with me again. I don't care how many preachers says that he will, he won't. He loves you. He doesn't like some of the things you do, maybe. But that doesn't change his way he feels about you. He, like with Gideon, he sees you. He sees you where he's, qualified, he's, he's called you to be. But you've got to get there. Well, Elijah, he called him to go there. He says, and the ravens will feed you when they get there. But Because the, the ravens, you know, of course, could fly a little faster than he could walk. But it was there when he got there. There's a place called there for you tonight. There's a place called there for you in your health, in your prosperity, in your family, in your job. There is a place called there and you can get there tonight by beginning to put him first in your life and beginning to say, God, I believe you. I believe you. If you say that, I believe you. And I just, I'm just going to depend on you. The Bible tells you in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, is, I trust the Lord with all my heart. And I will not lean into my own understanding, but I shall acknowledge you in all my ways. And I thank you, Father, that you have promised to direct my steps. You learn the word. You speak the word of God. You put him first and your whole life will change. Believe me. Believe me. Before I became a Christian, I was not in poverty. I was not doing without. I was a lady that had about anything she wanted. Go Rolex watches. Furs, 
But you know, the, my fur I gave to the girl at the prison, you know, uh, the jailer, one of the, one of, one of the uh, guards there. <laughs> Just got rid of all the stuff so I could buy Bibles and stuff with it. It had no meaning to me anymore. I got rid of everything, and then all of a sudden, God started giving me stuff back. But I still have no desires for diamonds and furs, you know, I, you know, maybe a good jacket. But I could have it if I wanted it, but I don't have any desire for it, you know. Your desires change. My want to's changed. And when you put God first, your want to's will change. And when your want to's change, then your whole life will change. All those things that you, all those desires of your heart, God will begin to give them to you. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me close here because I've just been keeping you too long. But it's a word that you needed to hear. And I didn't mean to be a comment. But that wasn't me. <laughs> you can talk to the Lord about it. Amen. Praise God. Let's see where I was at. Thank you, Lord. He tells us, like I said, but we say, Lord, we can't do that. But the word says, if you're born of God, in 1 John 5, 4, he says, you can, for the word says, that for whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. In verse 5, it says, Who is it that is victorious over the world? But he who believes, he believes that Jesus is the Son of God, who trusts and, and relies on that fact. In closing with Jesus Christ, let me remind you that Jesus Christ himself lives in you, lives in me, and that, my brothers and sisters, changes everything. It changes the whole equation. Hallelujah. God puts us in a safe place. So don't be worried about what's going on in the world today with the COVID or whatever, because other things are coming your way. We're probably worse than that. He said, but God will put you in a safe place. He said, only a spectator shall you be, yourself inaccessible, in the secret place of the Most High, as you witness the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place. Praise God. I want desperately, brothers and sisters, to help you that you have that you have been equipped to, to help you to see that you have been equipped to stand up against the enemy, the devil, and his demonic forces. You have the power to do it, not a form of godliness, but you have the real power. God's word will counterbalance, counterweight, or equalize anything that you need for it to do. And saints, it will put the odds on your side. Hallelujah. Whatever odds there are, it will put the odds on your side. I pray to the good Lord tonight that there was a word somewhere in this message, and I don't remember everything I said, but I know God knows what he said. And so I pray that there was a word in here that ministered something to every, every individual that's in this building here, in this sanctuary tonight, that the Lord spoke something to you that maybe you already knew in your heart, you already knew it, but he just reminded you by giving you a little nudge. Yes. You know, God gives me a little nudge every now and then. Yes. I can remember when I was trying to quit smoking 
years ago, 25 years ago, right after I became a Christian. And, and I asked the Lord, you know, just tap me on the shoulder. You know, when I, you know, gently tap me, not knock me down, just gently tap me. <laughs> when I said or done something, you know, whatever. But the Lord showed me that it was, um, that smoking was a darkness and that his word was light. And so when you apply the light in the darkness, the darkness is going to go. And so being, being a smoker for many, many years, I had a lot of urges, a lot of desire. So the Lord told me every time I had the desire to smoke, to quote his word, to confess his word, because the word is light and the light would take care of the darkness. And so when I would quote the word, the urge would go away. So I quoted a lot of words, <laughs> a lot of word all day. So you might say I meditated all day and night, you know, and, and I spoke day and night. But did you know that I didn't notice anything right away, but I did what the Lord told me to do. And, and then another thing I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, if I say something doesn't line up with your word, just tap me on the shoulder and remind me. And he would. And I'd say something, and I'd say, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent of that. I didn't mean to say that. This is what I meant to say. And then I'd say what he said. And that's what I do. I said, just remind me, Lord, when I say something I shouldn't say. And then I would replace it. But did you know, after a few weeks, I realized that the urge was getting less and less. And in about a month, just a few urges, about two months, hardly any urges. And I woke up one morning and had no urges. Amen. It just, the, the light put out all the darkness. Like I said, sin is dark. Sin is darkness. So if you have anything in your life, because you can be a Christian and still do sinful things. So if you have anything in your life that, you don't, that you've been trying to get rid of or that you think that is not good for your health. Uh, smoking is not going to send you to hell, but it might get you to heaven quicker, you know? So if anything, <laughs> anything that you do, <laughs> praise God, he loves me. Anyway, if you're dealing with anything, I, I, I really don't laugh like that. I, I can't help it if the Holy Spirit's doing it. But <laughs> if... Uh, <laughs> If you're dealing with anything tonight, regardless of what it is, and whether you're a Christian or not, we still say things, do things. Some of you might be, need to forgive somebody so you can get a healing, or, or you might have said something to hurt somebody's feelings. Whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with, know that it's darkness. But if you apply God's Word to it, it's light. Amen. And it'll put it out. Yes. Okay? And Father God, I thank you. God, I thank you so much. You are such a wonderful, wonderful Father. And I love you so much. I thank you, Father, that we all love you in here. I thank you, Father God, for this congregation.
I thank you, Lord, for the ears that were all perked up tonight listening to your word. I thank you, God, tonight for the hearts that were opening up to receive this word. I thank you, Father, for the lives that were changed tonight just by one word, Lord. That's all it takes. It's just one word. One word from you can turn the whole life around. And I thank you, Father, as the Holy Spirit interpreted and translated this message into each individual that they, the Holy Spirit himself gave them a word that will minister to them. If it doesn't minister to them tonight or tomorrow, it will minister to them. And when they're in the need of it, it will come up because the Holy Spirit will bring back to their remembrance what it is that they need to remember because the Word says that the Holy Spirit will bring back to our remembrance those things that we cannot recall on our own. So I trust you, Holy Spirit, that when they need that Word that was preached tonight, inspired by you, that you will bring it back to their remembrance and that it will do what it's supposed to do. And Father, I speak health over everyone in here. I speak healing over everyone in here. I speak prosperity over everyone in here. And I thank you, Lord, for everybody that's in here that came, that was hungry, that was fed, that was thirsty, that drank. Lord, and I thank you that when they leave tonight, they will not, I declare, leave the same way they came. In the name of Jesus, I give you the praise and I give you the glory for you are the one that is so deserving to, for our, to honor. We honor you, Lord, and you're so worthy, so worthy of our praise. And we glorify thy name, Lord. We glorify thy name. In Jesus' name, we praise you and we thank you. Amen. <laughs>